Genesis chapter number 3 tonight. Genesis chapter number 3 tonight. If you'd find your text there. And uh, we'll try to read the scriptures. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Ask you God to help tonight. Lord, help God to surround my mind around you, Lord, not around the sounds that I'm hearing, Lord, not around anything else, Lord, or anything that I'm, I'm feeling either, even, Lord, but I pray, God, that you would help tonight, Lord, that your word would be honored, Lord, that you would be um, uplifted, Lord, in all things. Lord, help us, God, to worship you tonight, and we'll love you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, I just don't feel like we need to be in Hebrews chapter 11. It's just my heart. I believe that's what the Lord's will would be. And, and this has been something on my heart. Uh, my heart's been aimed towards for some time. And so this may start another series, as I said. Um, just to keep our eyes on the Lord in the future days. Um, it's very important to do. And I'll probably, if I can get in a good preaching gear tonight, I believe we'll preach for a little while, have a good time in the Lord. Um, but it's all the Lord that deserves the, magnif- the, the, the glory here. And I do not know what we'll do or how we'll preach this, um, but I'd like to entitle this series, Look, There's Jesus. Look, there's Jesus. Look with an exclamation point. There's Jesus with an exclamation point. I like using exclamation points because they emphasize something. So look, there's Jesus. And many times in the Old Testament and New Testament, Jesus showed up out of nowhere to teach us some things about him and to fix what man had messed up. And um, so that that will be our mindset going into this. And... um, I'm thankful Jesus is on every page of this book, aren't you? Amen. And, and, and you know, not saying I'm going to preach all of them. <laughs> not saying I'm going to preach every page of the book. Um, but I don't think I could do it justice. I definitely wouldn't exhaust it if I did. Um, but I tell you is that I would like to expound the Lord much in these days because He's coming soon and I want Him to catch me preaching on Him. Amen. And not some uh, philosophy that the man has made or anything like that. Or not some uh, graveyard stories or not anything along those lines. But the gospel, amen. And that's what I want the Lord to catch me on preaching on. Something about him, amen. Because it is all about him, matter of fact. And so let's read our text. Genesis chapter number 3 tonight. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And God did not say that. We'll let everybody know that. God did not say that. He said, don't eat of it, okay? And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, 
And that, it tells us very clearly that it is the three sins that First John mentions. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. There's three things that's designed that to, to, to harm humans. When it's come to the sins, and she said, and that the tree was good for food, that is the lust of the flesh, and then that it was pleasant to the eyes, that's the lust of the eyes, and that it, tree to be desired to make one wise, it is the pride of life, something that can vaunt you up. And so that's the three sins. And then verse 7, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. In the cool of the day, we do believe in John chapter number 4 and verse 24 where the Bible says God is a spirit. This isn't God walking. It is God walking, but it isn't God walking. Everybody getting what I'm trying to say there? This is the Lord Jesus walking through the heat of the day, okay? Uh, through the garden in this time. Uh, and walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God said unto him, called unto Adam and said, Adam, where art thou? I said, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. I, don't, I wish I knew what else the Lord was saying. Now, now you with me there? Now, they had hid themselves, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What was he saying? You with me now? I'm just reading Scripture and just trying to tell you what I'm seeing when I read Scripture. This is the kind of stuff I see. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to me with, gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Blame game, right? And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. So there's another blame game. She's blaming Satan. Adam's blaming the woman and God. And so there's the blame game. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. I guess that the serpent crawled around that time. I don't know. I can't tell you. Some people would say that he did crawl, but there's no Bible to prove that, right? And so, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed... It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Don't freak out. He's just walking around, okay? We're reading the scripture real quick. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow, and thy conception in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shall thou eat of it all the days of my life. Thy life. Women, you can thank Eve for having pain in conception. And men, we can thank Adam for having to work and labor all the days of our life. Thorns also and thistles shalt bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return in the ground from out of it. Wast thou taken from dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt, shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. 
Verse 15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto Adam, verse 21, also unto his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. I pray the Lord will bless the reading of the word this evening. I just want to get into this and I believe uh, here in our text we see one of man's, we see man's biggest mistake and man's biggest mess and then also we see man's best promise, right? And so in this text, that's two things that we do see in this text. In the message of judgment from the Lord uh, is the promise of the gospel message as we know it in this day. By the way, the gospel message has never changed. It's always been the same. Amen? And there has to be blood. There has to be blood. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, And I believe knowing the context would help us here. And I have to lay the background here. Anyways, and so it might take me an hour to preach uh, tonight, okay? Uh, um, So the context here is we know uh, that God Himself, uh, God had made man in His perfect image. Is that right? He made a man in His image and He created man in perfect innocence uh, and He created man with no conscience. It was absolutely perfect uh, and placed Him in a perfect place. That's what He did. Uh, and then Adam was given dominion over the Lord's entire creation. Uh, he was given dominion over the rivers. He was given dominion over the land, uh, over the seas. Uh, he was given dominion over the animals. Everything that was created, Adam was given dominion over and uh, um, you know and then uh, then the Lord gave Eve I mean gave Adam a companion right Eve and so um, they, they, they lived an absolute perfect existence. And they were free from pain, they were free from disease, they were free from death, they were free from sorrow. uh, And every need they have was met and they enjoyed unbroken, uh, unhindered fellowship with God God Himself. And we can read that in chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. They, they, they did not have any, anything to hinder them. Uh, they had nothing at all. And the only restriction they had in the Garden of Eden uh, was that they could not uh, eat of the tree of good and uh, the tree uh, of knowledge of good and evil. They could not touch uh, of that tree. I mean, could not eat of that tree. Uh, and Adam is warned to stay away from this tree. Uh, for to eat it uh, will bring death unto the world. That's what the Bible says. Verse 15, chapter 2. Uh, and the Lord God took uh, um, the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in this day uh, that thou eatest, therefore thou shalt surely die. So when you eat that tree, you're going to die. It's simple as that. Uh, I mean, for some unknown period of time uh, that we have no clue and no scientist uh, and no person, theologian can say they know. uh, But for some period of time, uh, they lived in that garden and everything was well. Don't know how long that time was. But some period of time they lived in it until one day Eve finds herself confronted by a serpent who was sent by Satan. I ain't going to say it was Satan. It could have been, but I ain't going to say it was. 
But, but somebody that was sent by Satan uh, and it was in the means of a serpent. And this serpent here uh, tells her that God is holding off from them. Uh, God is holding out from you and holding out from Adam. Uh, and here he is and he tells Eve that God does not want them uh, eating of the fruit because God knows that this fruit uh, would make them gods like him. Uh, putting God on some kind of, that That's a hogwash, ain't it? Uh, and so all this stuff and then uh, Eve falls to the temptation of uh, of the devil here. And here she is and she eats of the fruit. Uh, and Adam also falls uh, under this temptation uh, and believes the lie that was given uh, and eats the fruit as well. I know this is simple. I know this is simple. I mean, I know we've all heard this, but I'm just laying a backdrop, alright? And so, at this point of time, in an instant, everything changes. Everything changes. Uh, excuse me. In an instant, everything changes, uh, and they're no longer innocent. Uh, they're no longer pure, uh, but they become sinners. And so they have become fallen beings at this point of time, uh, and immediately they are aware that everything had changed. They're aware of everything. Everything's changed and they become ashamed because of their naked condition uh, and they seek a covering uh, they, to cover themselves with fig leaves. Uh, and just by the way, a fig leaf dress has never been enough. Amen. It's never been enough. And But in the midst of the mess, the Lord uh, comes into the garden of fellowship with Adam uh, and with Eve and He calls out uh, to them because they have hidden themselves from Him. Verse number 8. And God knows what they have done, but He wants them to know what they had done. And so then the blame game begins, and Adam blames Eve and God, and Eve blames Satan or the serpent, and um, God immediately pronounces judgment upon Adam and upon Eve and upon the serpent. And God cast them out of the Garden of Eden. Right? He cast them out of the Garden of Eden and He puts a cherubim in the way. I'm just saying tonight that there is something about this that's big. But friends, I tell you, is that right in the middle of this mess is a wonderful promise. There's a wonderful light of hope glimmering. Verse 15 tells us, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head, and you shall bruise this hill. And so here he is, and there's a wonderful promise that tells us uh, that there's a promise of grace in the midst of this. Uh, and here in seed form uh, is the gospel of the salvation through grace. Isn't that amazing? Here for the first time we get a view of Jesus. As the Lamb of God, as the Son of God, as the perfect sacrifice, the perfect substitute, as we see Him for the first time, we do believe in the first mentioned principle. And that's what it is right here. And we see the Lamb of God and the Son of God who will someday... Take away and someday go through and find himself on Calvary.
to redeem lost man's conscience, to redeem lost man's soul, to redeem lost man. And here we can see the first piece of the stitch in the scarlet thread of redemption. That courses this way from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. All the way through the Bible, which we, oh, and th- th- this precious verse gives us the very first promise in the Word of God regarding the coming Savior. I like to start this series entitled, Look, Look, There's Jesus. And I'm going to preach on this thought There's Jesus as the promised seed. Praise the Lord. Amen. Notice with me this thought tonight. I want you to notice, number one, the traits of this promised seed. The traits of this promised seed. Uh, He stands out no matter what. He stands out. Amen. I want you to notice he stands out in his conception. Uh, The Bible says in verse number 15, uh, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. He's speaking to Satan, by the way. Between thy seed and her seed, we're told that the one who is coming will be the seed of the woman. This is odd because by God's very design, the seed comes from the man. By God's very design, the seed comes from man. And you know, here we are told though that the woman will produce an offspring without the aid of a man, without the help of a man. Now, now, how is this possible? Well, this verse gives us the first view uh, of a great truth that will be fully revealed uh, down the road. Uh, And this verse is the first prophecy uh, of the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here he is. You know, Satan did not understand it. Adam and Eve did not understand it. But the Lord tells us that he will send, be sent into this world through a woman and without a man. Of course, we know this how this is how the birth of Jesus came to place. This is how it came to pass. Isaiah prophesied of it. Uh, he said uh, that the seed shall be born. He'll be born of a virgin uh, and lying in a manger. He'll be born of a virgin. Uh, what is it? Isaiah chapter seven. Uh, and he'll he'll be born of a virgin. Then the angel a- angel Gabriel on down the road announced it uh, uh, to Mary in Luke chapter number one, uh, and he announced it to Joseph in Matthew chapter number one, uh, and all of this stuff. And why is this important though? Uh, because the Bible clearly teaches. Uh, That sin and the sin nature are handed down through the man. Think about this. He's handed down to the man. Romans chapter 5 verse number 12. Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Every individual who, person who has ever entered uh, this world through the only way uh, that it's possible to happen, and that's the sexual union of a male and a female, uh, has g- freely gained a sin nature. Freely gained a sin nature. And it is in fact a sinner at birth. Now, you say, well, but the Bible says, for, the, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Puts everybody on the same playing ground. 
Psalm chapter 58 and verse number 3, the Bible says, The wicked are estranged from the wound. They go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. As soon as they be born, speaking lies. The birth of Jesus was very different though. Uh, since He came into this world without a human father, He was born without sin. Uh, he was born pure uh, and He was born sinless. Uh, and that, what, that is what qualified Him uh, to die for the sins of humanity. Uh, the Bible says uh, that He became sin for us. Uh, who knew no sin? Uh, so that we may be made the righteousness of God in Him. Uh, this was no regular baby. Uh, this was God. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word, where the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning as in. And I tell you as it goes on to tell us uh, that he thought it not robbery uh, to be equal with God uh, but put upon himself uh, the form of a servant. Uh, I couldn't read it all. I can't quote it all. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 through 8 if you want to read it. Uh, but I tell you friend uh, this was no ordinary thing. Uh, this man was born perfect. And he was born of the seed of a woman. He stands out because of his conception. He stands out because of his cause. The Bible tells us there, it says, uh, that he shall, thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head. And thou shalt bruise his heel. Uh, he was coming into this world to do battle. He's talking about bruising here, right? He was going to do, do some fighting, friend. He came into this world to battle and we're told that He come uh, to bruise the serpent's head. Uh, and this speaks of a terrible injury. Uh, it speaks of a bad injury. It speaks of one that is fatal. Uh, it speaks of a tough injury. Uh, and this seed here that was coming uh, was coming to the world not to show man a better way to live. Uh, not to stand up and uh, sit on a throne uh, and sit high and sit and rule uh, and reign. At that point in time uh, He was not coming to improve the virus environment. Uh, he wasn't coming to make things better, but He came uh, to save sinners uh, and He came to destroy Satan. Luke chapter 19, verse number 10, the Bible says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 14 tells us for as much that as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood he also himself likewise took a part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death and that is the devil the promised seed was coming friend to deliver humanity from the sin into which it had fallen into and many men and women would have battle over the years uh, and everything would be fight uh, and everything we fight the devil we fight people who think they're the devil we fight all this uh, but he will give the last swing yeah man friend he was coming to do for men that which they could not do for themselves save them yeah man the traits of this promised seed second I want you to notice the target of this promised seed now in this study we'll find there's a lot of causes that the Lord would show up in situations. Uh, but in our text it describes to us just how He will be in this text. In comparison. I want you to notice number one. He, will, he would come in combat. 
He would come in combat. The Bible says that I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. It said, I'll put enmity between her. And so, so if you look at that, this word enmity means enemy. It means hatred. Uh, it means a lot of things like that. But the enmity uh, the, or hatred refers to here, it runs far deeper uh, than that of a man hating a snake. Uh, it refers far deeper than just humanity uh, not liking a serpent. Nobody likes serpents out there. Nobody likes snakes. Uh, but, but besides the weird ones, right? Uh, it refers, though, uh, to the hatred Satan possesses. Uh, towards the Lord and all that He represents. And it refers to the hatred that resided within the heart of the devil that caused him to attack Adam and Eve. And it really refers to all that. It's a hatred that desires nothing less than the overthrowing of the Lord and nothing less than overthrowing His kingdom. Amen? Nothing less than that. In fact, you know that's Satan's desire. You know, we could read that in Isaiah chapter number 14, uh, that his desire was to be higher than God. Ezekiel chapter 28, he wanted to be higher than God. Make me, I, 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 I. It says it a bunch of times. i got to underline my Bible. But this is the battle that was raging in Eden on this day. Is that it had less to do with mankind than it did with Satan's desire to start war with the Lord. You know, the Lord knew Satan. He was no stranger to him. Oh my. But I tell you, we're told that the one who is coming here was coming to the world in combat. He's going to make enmity. He's going to make enmity. He was coming as one uh, who would engage in war with a, with a determined enemy. And he, was, uh, he would take up the fight that Adam had lost uh, in the Garden of Eden. And he would come to do battle with Satan. Yes. And of course, you and I both know that Jesus did just that. From the instant this prophecy was given in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15, until the moment that Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, Satan did everything in his power to stop the promised seed. He did everything in his power to stop the seed coming and the seed from being born. He did everything all the way from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, all the way to Judah, and then on, and then you got the twins, and you can go on and on and on. He tried his best to stop it, but he could not stop it. And I tell you, he worked through Cain to kill Abel in Genesis chapter number 4, and he sought to corrupt the bloodline through these... Well, evil marriages in Genesis chapter number 6. Uh, and he goes on and he tried to kill the people of Israel in Egypt in, in Exodus chapter 1 uh, and chapter 2. Uh, and he tried to bring about the destruction by leading them into gross idolatry uh, during the kingdom ages uh, of Israel. And then when Jesus was born, uh, what did Satan do? Uh, he tried to destroy him off the face of the earth. Uh, and he sent Herod, uh, the king, the wicked king, Herod, uh, to come in there uh, and, uh, and to kill all the babies under the age of two uh, and he went in there uh, and he said this uh, and I tell you is that friend he tried to lead him 
to sin on the mount of temptation on the mount of temptation in Matthew chapter 4 and he tried to get Jesus to to claim the crown without the cross in John chapter number 6 and he tried to kill the Savior in the garden of Gethsemane in in Luke chapter number 22 and surely he thought he had won when Jesus died on the cross but when Satan did not realize was that the greatest weapon in the arsenal of heaven uh, and the greatest one uh, was the very instant uh, that God became sin uh, and died on the cross uh, uh, for our place uh, Jesus the promised seed uh, came uh, in a mighty combat amen it was a fight friend Buster Seaton said uh, that from the moment of uh, conception at the beginning he said that from Cain on down to from Abraham to Isaac, every time one was born, Satan said, "Oh no, oh no." Said he got on a little farther and it got to Judah, and he said, "Oh no." Then it went on a little farther and it kept happening. Uh, and even though Judah was an incestuous relationship, uh, God still used it to move the seed. Uh, and there he was. Uh, and there is those two sons. I forget their name. Uh, Pharez. Uh, and it went through Pharez. Uh, and it went on and went on and went on and got all the way to, 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 all the way to David. And then there's David. Uh, and it went to Solomon. Uh, and every time a seed was born in that line, Satan looked over and said oh no it's still going and then a little lady had a baby a little lady had a baby down there in Bethlehem brother Buster Seaton looked over and he said baby devil looked over to papa devil and said oh no we're in trouble now a virgin has conceived He knew it from the beginning, friend. He knew it. Uh, He heard Isaiah talk about it. Uh, He heard... God help me, Zechariah talk about it. He heard them all talk about it. But then the virgin conceived. And he said, we got a fight on our hands now. And then he died. And he said, we don't have to fight as hard as we think we do. We've won this war. He would come in combat. But can I tell you something else? He came in. He come as a champion. Amen. Friend, the Bible says, Thou shalt bruise thy head. The serpent is told that he shall bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. But the seed of the woman will bruise his head. You see the difference there? That there's two bruisings that take in place. And so the serpent's head's going to be bruised and the Savior's heel's going to be bruised. You see what we're going there? I look those up and bruising the heel refers to an injury that's not fatal. It's not something that's altering on a life. But on to the injury that is, it's not any of that. But on the other hand, bruising the head... Bruising the head refers to a fatal wound that will destroy. The word bruise means crushing, means striking. 
And the serpent might strike the heel of the coming lamb, but the lamb would crush the head of the serpent and friend of course this was 100% fulfilled it was on the, at the cross the promised seed had to die but thank God thank God death could not hold him he rose from the dead as the victor in the greatest battle ever fought he rose from the dead aren't you glad about that tonight y'all okay are y'all even saved are y'all okay tonight but in his dying and his rising again he inflicted a moral wound, a very deep wound upon the head of the serpent that would ultimately would ultimately end with him sentenced to an eternity in the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Thank God, thank God, not only are we on the winning side, but we are on the side that has already won. It's over, friend. The traits of the promised seed, the target of the promised seed. Lastly, I want you to notice the type of the promised seed. We read two verses in specifically and pointed them out. Verse 21, the Bible says, Unto Adam also, to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. After God goes out and pronounces judgment on the three of them, He does something very amazing. The Lord slays a beast of some type. I don't know if it's a lamb, I don't know if it's a ram, I don't know why. I would want to say it was a lamb, but the Bible don't say. And so here He is and He goes out and He... Kills some beast of some sort uh, and he uses its skin to make garments uh, for Adam and for Eve. Uh, and in this graphic scene of death, uh, there's an amazing type of what will happen, what has happened uh, some years behind us, uh, but some years ahead of them. Uh, it shows a type of something. Uh, and I want you to notice what it shows a type. Uh, it is a type of his coming sacrifice, uh, is what it is. Uh, imagine what was going through the minds of Adam and Eve. Uh, as they witness the very first death or the very first time in their life. Uh, they have never seen blood before. Uh, and now they watch as the Lord uh, with His very own hands uh, slaughters an animal to provide a covering. Uh, not for anybody else, uh, but it's personal. It's for them. Uh, and it was in that instant uh, that they saw firsthand just how much their sin really cost. Amen. They finally understood that the wages of sin was death. They understood that the wages uh, of sin was death. Uh, they understood this. Uh, but what we see in this verse is a very clear type uh, of what the Savior would do for us. Uh, remember that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, remember that He had never sinned. Uh, the Bible tells us in the book of 1 Peter and chapter 2 and verse number 22, uh, the Bible says, Who did no sin, uh, neither was guile found in His mouth. Uh, he was perfect in every way. Uh, nobody could accuse him but I tell you friend is that he did not deserve to die he did not deserve to die at all he now look on down the road look on down the road get a picture of Calvary look on down there see the precious promised seed nailed to the cross see the crowd as they 
spit in his face. Watch as they pluck the beard from his face. Listen, just listen as they mock him, as they curse him, as they deride him and ridicule him. Just go and watch as the very people that he came to this world to save, the very people that he came here to save, deliver him up to be crucified. The same people that were worshiping him some six days prior saying, Hail him, hail him. We're now saying, Nail him, nail him. And can you hear the sound of the whip as the cruel strokes fall upon his back again and again and again? Can you feel the agony as he is nailed to that cross and lifted up between heaven and between earth? Just think about it and watch him as the blood pours from the wounds that are in his head, in his hands, in his feet, and in his back. Can you just imagine it? That now understand that everything he went through, every stripe on his back, every agony, everything he suffered, every disgrace, every word, every single thing he endured during this life, and in that time, his trial and his death was because of your sins. He was marred for you. He was, he bled for you. He died for you. Surely he hath bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That screams love for but God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for me He died for us just look at that scene and see the awful hatred that God had for sin and look at that cross and see the boundless love that God had for sinners and then look at the Savior and say live, live that's the only way we can live it's a type of his sacrifice. Friend, secondly, it's a type of his sufficiency. I tell you, friend, after Adam and Eve sinned and became aware of their nakedness, they attempted to cover themselves with fig leaves, uh, making aprons of fig leaves, uh, but their efforts were insufficient, and God killed an innocent animal to provide a covering for their bodies. God wanted to show them and you and I that it requires the death of the innocent. To take care of the guilty sins. It requires the death of the innocent to to cover sin, friend. It requires all of that to take place for the guilty. And sin is taken away only through the shedding of innocent blood. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is no remission. Is no remission. Man has always tried to craft for himself 
yourself and make up some type of garments of righteousness and garments of religion and all that, but man's effort and never succeeds in covering his sins. They will never succeed in covering the sins of man from the terrible look of the Almighty God. And friend, man needs a covering that he cannot provide for himself. That's what he needs. And when Jesus, the precious seed of the woman and the Lamb of God, came into this world and died on the cross, he provided a sufficient sacrifice, a sufficient covering for the sinfulness of mankind. Friend, I tell you, not just a covering, but they're gone. They're just not covered. They're completely gone. And when a person comes to Jesus by faith and is born again, He robes them in His righteousness and makes them worthy to stand in the presence of God. For He had been made sin for us who knew no sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The whole point is this. You can try anything you please, whether it be good religion, whether it be good works, or whether it be clean living, etc., etc. But to please the Lord, it takes absolutely the Lord. It takes Him to please Him. I tell you, and when it is, I, rep- I tell you, nothing, and I repeat nothing, will be sufficient to deal with your sin problem. Then, until you come to Jesus, by faith, through grace, through faith, by grace. Then, and only then, can you stand before the Lord and be accepted by Him. Only Jesus Christ and His shed blood is sufficient to allow us to stand in His presence. Only that, friend. And I'm sorry that Adam and Eve sinned. In the Garden of Eden, imagine what the world would be like if they had not have. But they did. And because they did, you and I were born in this world as in, in a sin. In sin. We had a sin problem. And I thank God that He saw our need and sent His Son. Aren't you? Amen. I thank God that He did in this world to die on a cross as the perfect Lamb. As the perfect sacrifice, as the perfect Savior, as the perfect substitute. He did that. And you see, just as surely as Adam and Eve would eventually come to the end of their lives and die and go into eternity, we all will too. We need to know where we're going. I thank God. I think you do. But if you don't, everything that hinges, Brother Larry Rain said, That salvation hinges on, this door of salvation hinges on, has three hinges on it. And it hinges on the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's the only thing that can save a man. Is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing. If you are saved here tonight, you ought to praise the Lord. There's Jesus as the promised seed. I tell you tonight, he's good to us. And he sent his son. He sent his son with a cause. He sent his son with traits to die. He sent his son, and it was a tragedy, friend. It was a tragedy. But oh my goodness, there ain't a better promise than this side of heaven than the one that sent his son to die for you and I. He died for us. And just as the Bible says, and I will put enmity between thee and thee, 
and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. We see Jesus. There's Jesus as the promised seed. You can stand to your feet tonight. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus as the promised seed, Lord, to die on the cross for my sins. Lord, thank you, God, for all that he did. Thank you, God, for all you do. Lord, thank you, God, for the providential hand of God, Lord, on our lives. I pray, God, you'd help us, Lord, as we begin this study. Lord, to look throughout the Bible. Lord, let us make much of you in all things, Lord. And, Lord, I pray, God, you'd have preeminence in us all. We bless your holy name. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Help us throughout the night. Help us as we go home. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.